Our gospel text this morning is from Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 44, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. As Jesus taught, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then Jesus called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had, all she had to live on. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Steve and I have been looking at this year's stewardship theme and asking ourselves, what does it mean to be all in? What is our commitment to God? Steve, I don't know about you, but I balk when just because I'm a pastor, someone makes one of those comments like, well, you have the inside track to God. Being a pastor doesn't make me all in more than anyone else. There are times, almost daily, when it occurs to me that something I did or said or even thought would have been different if I had approached it in a way that listens to the voice of the Spirit if I were more focused on loving God with my heart and my mind and my soul. So, being all in doesn't mean someone's perfect or preachy or even pastoral all the time. Uh, even before I felt like I wanted to be a pastor, I remember thinking that whatever I would do with my life, I wanted it to be pleasing to God. If I were a farmer, like the farmers I saw around me, I wanted, I wanted my work and my life to be pleasing to God. Every decision around the farm, every life decision, I wanted to be able to ask, Lord, is this your will? Now, Nancy, uh, I think you're right. Some folks might think that you and I are all in because as pastors, our work is here in the church. But I think it's even more pleasing to God when all the rest of these folks here uh, live out their faith in the world. I think it pleases God as much, if not more, when you uh, don't hold any part of your life, don't any, hold any part apart from God, when you allow God into every aspect of your life. Uh, you see, God doesn't want part-time Christians. 
God doesn't want us to be half-hearted disciples who sing our praise on Sunday morning uh, and then hedge our bets from Monday to Saturday, living as if our Sunday faith doesn't matter. Uh, God wants wholehearted believers. God wants us to be all in. You may remember when a lawyer asks Jesus what the greatest commandment is, Jesus tells him, uh, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, every part of your life. But you know, Jesus doesn't just pull this turn of phrase out of thin air. He pulls it from the Hebrew scriptures. It's there in the foundation of the law that, that Gretchen read for us this morning, the Shema from Deuteronomy, the uh, foundation, the base of the law. It's there from the Pentateuch to the prophets, from Joshua to Zephaniah. Israel is repeatedly told to be all in for God, to hold nothing back, to love God, to serve God, to follow, to hold fast to the Lord with all your heart and all your soul, to obey, to trust, to seek and search and turn and return to the Lord with all your heart, to rejoice and exult again with all your heart. We're in our stewardship campaign, and some people might be doing the calculus to figure out exactly what their tithe should be. What is one-tenth of their income that would correspond to the, the giving required by law from Israel to the temple? Hmm, is that pre-tax or after-tax? Can I take out expenses? Well, that kind of calculation to determine the minimum one must give to stay in God's good graces, I think misses the point of God's all-in call on our lives. Now, it might feel like a heavy thing uh, that God desires all of us, but the truth is, and you all know this, we're going to give ourselves to something, uh, to work, to relationships, to pleasure. Uh, something is going to get our time and our energy, only most of those things are fleeting and will ultimately uh, pass away. All good things come to an end. We're going to ante up and throw our money in one pot or another. Uh, going all in with God is the only hand certain to be a winning hand. Throwing our lot in with God um, promises peace and joy, abundant and everlasting life. Being all in for God means we're all in to God's future where uh, peace and justice roll down like mighty streams, where the lame walk and the blind see, where no one is sick anymore and every tear is wiped away and we are restored to ourselves and to one another. That's the hand I want to play. Being all in means we pull up at the Lord's table and take our place at the victory feast of the Lamb. It means we grab hold of the promises of God with both hands and drink deeply of the glory that is our God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. So, that's what it all means, but what does it look like? I feel like I caught a, a glimpse of it in the news of all places. It was a news story that aired nationally about uh, a month ago, uh, following the death of Richmond, Indiana police officer Sierra Burton. 
Uh, some of you may have seen this on the evening news. So family and friends portray Sierra as someone who was uh, all in for her community, someone who would serve and protect with care and compassion, uh, quick to smile or to speak a kind word or to give the time of day to folks that may, well, that many of us might just turn a blind eye to. Uh, this is how CBS's uh, On the Road segment of the evening news portrayed what happened. I think I see some of you may have seen this. Uh, so these are, are the words of the reporters, not mine. Uh, after a Richmond, Indiana police officer was shot on the line of duty, days before her wedding, the whole community grieved deeply. 28-year-old officer Sierra Burton was beloved so the idea that anything good could ever come from her passing was unimaginable until one day a stranger walked into the police department. He held in his hand a, a white envelope and inside a sliver of hope. To information clerk Charlotte Jones, the man appeared to be homeless. Inside the envelope, eight crum crumpled up one dollar bills and a note that read, people from the street. The man accepted a hug, but insisted on no other recognition. The man didn't give his name, um, but he said Officer Burton was kind and would often check in on the homeless. So he took up a collection and got donations from people on the street, people with virtually nothing to give. They gave uncertain if they were going to have another dollar tomorrow. Uh, we'll never know exactly who all gave or why. Those answers are hiding beneath the brush and underpasses of Richmond. But by all accounts, Sierra Burton was generous and fair with a face that always defaulted to a smile. In Sierra's honor, donations for the homeless uh, are already pouring in, but for the department, the greatest gift will always be that simple white envelope. There's hope out there. There are people out there who will give everything, both those in the line of duty and those they serve. Steve Hartman on the road in Richmond, Indiana. Sierra's story reminds me of the words from 1 Peter. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. When you think of those who have gifts to share, you might not automatically think of people who are homeless. Yet from Jesus' perspective, they sometimes have more to give the world than we do, especially when despite the difficulties of life on the street, they can still live with such gratitude and such love in their hearts. There are so many times when Jesus points to the fact that those who are poor understand something more deeply than those of us who are either wealthy or even comfortable. When you aren't preoccupied with things like moving up in your job, making all the right investments, ensuring your security and retirement, you can put more energy and focus into trying to follow in the path of Jesus. You more easily recognize your dependence on God. Those of us who live in less desperate circumstances can convince ourselves that whatever we have in life is simply a product of our own abilities and hard work. 
forgetting that where and when we were born and the opportunities given to us may have had something to do with it. We seem to trust ourselves more than we trust God. In the case of the poor widow we meet in scripture today, we find someone who puts all of her trust in God. When Jesus sees her, it puts a catch in his breath. After he has just condemned the scribes for bankrupting widows, Jesus sits down and watches the people who are giving their offerings, only to see one of those widows giving her last two meager coins, all she has to live on. Jesus doesn't point her out as an example of what he expects us to do to give our last pennies until we are destitute. He sees her as a victim of oppression, not as an example to follow. At the same time, he is deeply moved by her sacrifice. There's something in the heart of a person who loves God that makes giving a natural, almost urgent part of faith. Perhaps she knows that with nothing left, she won't survive long anyway. And she decides that giving this gift brings her a sense of purpose and meaning, even joy knowing that she is contributing to something beyond herself. She is literally giving her life to God. What seems to distress Jesus in addition to her plight is the fact that other people don't seem to really notice her, especially those who are too busy making a show of their offerings because they want to look important and pious to others. While God wants us to notice and help someone like the poor widow, there is also something we can learn from her. Do we give sacrificially at all? I appreciate the way Dana Ferguson asked the question because it hits home with us. Does our giving affect our lives even a portion of the way that God's giving to us has affected our lives? Is our giving really selfless and responsive to the overflowing of God's mercy and grace and love? And I would add that this doesn't just apply to our financial gifts. It is also about how we give of ourselves in every aspect of our lives. Whatever we spend the most time thinking about, whatever gets our greatest attention and thought and time, is what we worship. When we are honest with ourselves, is it God whom we worship? For in this world of distractions and temptations, sometimes it could be something else. Stewardship is about our relationship to God in all of life. Yes, it means our gifts of time and treasure and talent to the work of the church, but it also means responding to God's love in all the ways that matter, in ways that reflect Christ at our core. Tom and I went to seminary together. And although he is a wonderful pastor, his all-in has to do with another choice and calling. His adopted son, Teddy, was born with severe brain damage because his birth mother drank during pregnancy. She then gave him away to another couple who abused him. As a result, he has had mental, physical, and developmental challenges his whole life long. Tom and his wife, Bonnie, adopted Teddy as a two-year-old, knowing that it would not be easy, knowing that there would be sacrifices along the way. 
At 17, Teddy was diagnosed with stage four germ cell cancer, had two major surgeries and six months of intensive chemo. He has had to live in a residential center to attend to all of his challenges and to help him learn to live as independently as possible. But Tom and Bonnie visit him every day, take him out for meals to ball games anywhere where he might find enjoyment in life. Not only is this couple an example of being all in for another human being, loving God through choosing to give such love and care to a child who started life in such a tragic way, but Teddy, Teddy is all in in some special ways too. With an IQ below 60, he's unable to get a regular job, but he goes to work every day to do piecemeal work and gets about $15 a week, of which he is very proud. According to his dad, while Teddy still endures his physical and mental challenges, he is more compassionate than most people, especially toward the most vulnerable in their community. While he struggles with loss and disappointment, he has endured more suffering than most people in his 37 years on this earth. Teddy is still optimistic from day to day. He offers such pure love to the world that his dad has said, he is the face of Christ for me. Even after all of the struggles and heartache of taking on a baby with fetal alcohol syndrome, Bonnie and Tom are filled with joy and gratitude for their son, for the opportunity to love him, to give him the best life that they can, and for the blessing of having him in their lives. Friends, what is given from the heart makes a difference in the world. Let the joy of giving take you by surprise. Amen. Amen.